if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 140. This is our 2020 Masters Tips Preview. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss the biggest tournament, bar none, of the year. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Good morning, everyone. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We're available on social media. On Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I have just released in full suit, tie, uh, the Masters 2020 show, which is always the biggest show of the year. Now, I always ask for Apple Podcast Reviews. In terms of just spreading the gospel on a podcast, five stars on Apple Podcasts, bearing in mind that 60 to 65% of podcasts are all consumed on Apple Podcasts is essential. I asked for a couple on our Masters preview show and two of you have kindly taken the time to pull together some, uh, some reviews. So here we go. This first one is from Drummond and he is in Glasgow. Titled, five stars, love listening to this podcast, in the bath every week. (laughs) Definite lockdown therapy, brilliant analysis, witty and lots of food for thought with regards to tournaments. Almost always throws up a close winner, (laughs) ain't that the truth, or each way. He's always close. Thanks for all the hard work you put into the podcast and golf betting system. Drummond, we appreciate that review very, very much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, And Sean. then another one. Yeah, thank you. Five stars, super work. Have been a listener for over two years now. The work that the guys put in and give away for free is amazing. Having tried many paid subscriptions, I keep coming back to Golf Betting System. It's my first port of call every week, and I wish everyone luck at the Masters or on Masters Week, if anyone deserves success, ye guys do. And that is from Dodd2102, who clearly is Scottish, but I can't claim that he's in Scotland. I don't really know. But he's clearly in the United Kingdom. Dodd, thank you for that. Fantastic. Yes, thanks for both of them. And yeah, in terms of these uh, 36 and 54 hole leaders, Steve, the They've been uh, they've been a regular occurrence over the last few weeks. Oh, mate, I was sitting there Saturday thinking, oh, this Corey Connors, he's right in the slipstream here. Everything's great. He's hitting tons of greens. What can go wrong? 
double bogey 16, double bogey 17, bogey 18. I just looked at my missus and I just had enough. <laughs> did, did you blame her? At that point. <laughs> it, it was an early, it was an early, relatively early eject this week. Yeah, it looked at your missus. Uh, that's normally a Sunday, but that was a Saturday night that depressed me. That one. Looked at your missus, frowned, threw your phone at the uh, wall, and <laughs> she said, "Not." She said, "Not again." So. <laughs> you pick prematurely you, you, again. Yeah, you oh, pick so God. terribly, Steve. Why do you keep doing this? But the, th- the thing is, it's, co- bloody it's almost analogous to the, the pros competing in the tournaments and that all you really can ask for is to put yourself in position to, to get a winner or you know a couple of places on any given week. And if you get in that spot often enough, eventually you'll convert. Um, you know, so that's that's the hope we can it'll all the all the factors will kind of collide this week and bang. Uh, we'll have three different winners, each one of us. <laughs> and yeah, look, let's uh, hopefully between the three of us, we can come up with uh, some good stuff here. Right, we've said, listeners, that we're going to keep this succinct. So we're not going to go on about last week. We're going to focus solely, completely on this week's Masters. Right. Now, as ever, there's conjecture at the majors what the weather's going to do. But clearly at the 2020 Masters, which is being played in November rather than April, we've got a whole different ball game in terms of agronomy, different grasses, potentially different temperatures and winds. Now, we were just speaking off mic. And, you know, Barry, you're using a different uh, weather forecast to the one that I'm using, the one that Paul's using. So we've got different weather forecasts from different providers. And what we did see overnight, it would look like from Monday into Tuesday when we're recording this, is potentially lower temperatures on the weekend of the Masters. Now, it depends on where you're looking, as ever. Um, One forecast we're looking at looks like it's coming out at, uh, say, uh, 24 degrees Celsius on Saturday and Sunday. I'm looking at wind finder at the moment. It's saying 15 and 16 degrees mm. Celsius. It's a big drop. Now that's it? a real game changer if that happens. Mm. So what do they do? do, do, do ball, in that scenario, you know, because you've gone from mid 70s to mid 60s Fahrenheit effectively. Um, do they keep the T positions where they are, and everyone just has to struggle on these kind of circa 500 yard par fours or? Do we find a little bit of variation if it really does drop 10 degrees on a, on a Saturday or a Sunday? That's a brilliant question. Mm. And do, does it depend if, if Bryson is tearing the golf course up? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure you can make decisions based purely on the yeah. uh, on the leaderboard at the time because that would be a bit, uh, bit untoward, wouldn't it? But, uh, but certainly... Let's go, okay, let's go worst case scenario. Mm. Let's say that this wind finder, wind finder forecast, which suggests... Uh, 26 degree for, uh, degrees on Thursday, 27 on Friday. Beautiful. Everyone's going to be getting the ball out there. Mm. We haven't talking. We'll talk about precipitation in a, in a short while. But let's just talk temperature. So if that ball is literally going nowhere Saturday and Sunday, what do you think they do, Barry? Would would they would they shorten? Would they move the tees forward? Would they just let it be? It's it's hard to know because the in, the fairways won't be running much, so no. maybe that's you know that's kind of the defense they have is the for the majority of the field is the length of the golf course, 
Mm-hmm. Um, if they keep it at tipped out, it only favors the long guys even more. So yep. there's a case to be made to keep the tournament more interesting and uh, encompassing of a larger um, group of players, let's say, or larger group of contenders. They could shorten a few of the holes a bit. Just move, just go up to the front of the tee box, knock 25 yards off a mm. hole. And, mm. But, you know... What, what We're guessing. We are completely guessing. The Masters have a way of doing things that doesn't seem to piss people off too much or if it does everyone stays quiet on it because they don't want to anger the the beast and never get invited back again so look i i think i think we're we seem in a relatively settled place like it's going to be playing a bit longer there's going to be a bit of rain to deal with the temperatures won't be quite what they are generally in april and you know go go from there you just i think we have to just factor in that length is uh, you know add another few percentage points of importance mm-hmm. to it this week i think yeah yeah no wind in the forecast though from what i can see mm. looks pretty that's, placid no, that's disappointing not a fact. that's disappointing wind would mm-hmm. make it very interesting i think it would bring more players into it yeah 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 yeah, yeah if, it, if it was windy you, you could see another six under danny Willett. Mm. it would feel like that but I, I, I genuinely think with the lack of wind, and you know, I think this this golf course is going to be very, very gettable for the for the longer hitters. I, yeah. I, I think it'll be the typical mid-teens, 15, 14, 15, 16 under wins. This. Do you see the bulk of the scoring being done Thursday, Friday? So, given the way the forecast sets up, given the way the temperature sets up, it looks to me more like they'll we'll see um, the most optimal scoring conditions Thursday, Friday, you get players getting some some fairly decent scores under the belts. Um, and then as the course dries out, as the course gets a little cooler potentially and a little tougher, um, particularly on the greens, um, and again, if they let the greens, um, or they manufacture the greens in such a way that they are uh, firmer, faster, and sort of clearly more difficult, then the weekend be, could become trickier so you may well find those players who like those softer conditions um, and I use the word softer advisedly given what we can see they can do with the Augusta National um, that you can find players that are up there after 36 holes um, may well start to uh, mm-hmm. kind of stagnate and, uh, and, and, yeah. and fail to move forward over the weekend it feels like you might get a bit more separation of the field mm. but this is this is best guess you know uh from uh, three lads behind a microphone who have never yeah, played yeah. the place in November or or for, or for any time for that matter. Sadly, yeah. So, yeah, we shall see. I mean, it does does set up nicely for um, for some good in play action as well um, as we move towards the weekend. If if there is that differential, of course, if if the conditions look like they're going to maintain and stay as they were as we get closer to those days, then then perhaps not. But. Uh, um, those events where you do find a, a, a stark difference in the in the conditions as you move through the event can uh, can present some good opportunities from a, from a uh, in play perspective. It'll be interesting to see how um, how much they can do with the sub air system. I mean, I know you get you get different kind of let's say opinions on it, and it shouldn't be such an opinion based thing. It should be quite factual about mm. how much the sub air system can actually do. Um, and I've started to 
feel like a sub-air system is not the answer to everything. It won't get them baked dry, but it will be able to get them from a place of being saturated to playable and, you know, not uh, balls not plugging in the green. I don't think they can get them to change to, like, being baked out dry. Uh, no. So, no. so, yeah, the sub-air is not, is not the uh, the magic wand for the entire course. Uh, no. I, Matty said on the No Lane Up podcast, Leishman's caddy, didn't he? He said that they can get them back to 90% speed, but you can never get that extra 10%. Bearing in mind as well, looking at this forecast, it doesn't look the sunniest. I don't think you're going to get have a lot of sun. Mm. I mean, they're, they're talking... At, I think what's going to happen is that Wednesday, tomorrow, the day before we start, looks like it's going to be particularly wet over there, thunderstorms. And, you know, we're looking at a... Um, the whole day is 50% plus, building through into the afternoon, 75 to 85% chance of rain. Mm. It's going to rain by the looks of it. Yeah. Now, I think that could also go as far as lunchtime on the Thursday. And one thing I haven't seen is how this 10, clearly the split, we've got two T's this year, one and 10. The field's going to be going off in quite a restricted time, um, uh, section of time. So, you know, I think you're going to get potentially players playing a, a relatively significant chunk of their round, potentially, with the umbrellas up on Thursday. Mm. And I, knowing one of your tips, Barry, that kind of works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just one top. A lot of players cannot. Cannot stand playing in in rain. Yeah. Cannot stand it, and it's actually one thing I did actually look at. I've I've got some um, analysis of full rain rounds, um, just that I keep. Interesting. And there's there's some names that just continue to crop up at the top of the of, of the lists, mm. just like around here, around there. Um, and there's there are other names you never see. So that, that, that potentially needs to be borne in mind. And then there's a threat of showers throughout Friday, Saturday and Sunday, but it's a typical American kind of forecast. There's nothing significantly over 50%. So it could be dry Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But that golf course is going to take a drenching, drenching Wednesday and potentially up to lunchtime on Thursday. Mm. That's pretty much going to happen. Yeah, it sounds like they're prepared for it. Um, listening to uh, Jordan Spieth in an interview last night, he talked about the... The greens at the moment being almost like having a, a brown tinge so they've been left to a point where they need some water now and it's almost you know the, the anticipation yeah. that there's a, there's a fair amount coming on Wednesday will kind of satiate that and then mm. uh, then we'll kick on on mm-hmm. Thursday um, the sub airs at 150 <laughs> yeah. well I mean it's probably it's smart by them in, in in how they're dealing with the course that there's no point in watering the course right now if you can keep the grass fine and alive and you know you can pull it back on Wednesday with some um, hosing if it needs it. But now they, yeah. you know, they haven't uh, subjected themselves to the greens becoming too wet with hosing and then precipitation coming down. So it sounds like, as always, they have the, play, they have the course in as good a place as possible for them to control it. Um, Sorry, the doorbell of the studio ringing here. <laughs> is that your take? Is that your takeaway? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Pizza's arrived, bro. <laughs> Uber Eats. Uh, the, yeah, my, my... it was interesting on Poulter's video on Saturday on Sunday. You could see behind, and he actually pointed out they're watering the greens. And from my understanding, again, they like to get the course up to tournament spec the week before. Mm-hmm. 
and they like the pl- they like the members to be able to go out there and play the greens as firm and as fast as the professionals will be the following weekend, mm. and then they dial them back, and clearly they dial them back by moist, you know, by um, getting the water on the greens, and you could see that actually happening on Sunday. So Paul's point does bear fruit really because. It looks like they've got those greens to a tournament stem. They just bring them back over the over the sat the Friday, the Saturday into the Sunday, and then with that in mind, they're just they're waiting to see what happens on Thursday. Oh, sorry, on Wednesday mm. with this rain. Just just what, okay. one further thought about the greens and how they will kind of affect players, and I think spin control will be uh, quite important this week. Like the ability to shape a shot uh, both ways to ensure your ball's not hyper-reacting on the green when it lands. You know, I, th- I think we could see some balls like just ripping back off the front of greens this week if there's that little bit of um, receptiveness in them. You know, ball just pitches and then just grips and goes. So I, I think that could be an advantage to guys like playing the ball to, you know, be entering the green at a certain angle to, to avoid that massive over uh, overspinning. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, if the conditions... Um, vary as we move through the tournament then that element is something that players will need to be able to control um, at will rather than having a kind of a one-dimensional game in that respect it's going to be an interesting right it is going to be interesting it it really does shout to me um, again as we said on the research and I'll, I'll point this out to listeners there's going to be new listeners this week we pulled together a 70 minute research preview which is the previous podcast to this so that would be podcast number 139 and we go into a lot of statistics analysis of the golf course from what we're saying then chaps soft receptive again distance off the tee carry just brute carry is going to be a huge advantage this mm. week yeah? yeah correct I think so Attacking the greens with a with less club in your hand, definitely. From the fairway, ideally. It's interesting stuff. Very interesting indeed. Right. We have a very, in, uh, very um, insightful, soft golf course positive variable on our predictor model, which is available at Golf Bank System, completely free of charge. I'll just run through the top ten. Uh, this is a rolling statistic over five years of soft golf courses on the PGA Tour. We have a tie for 10th with Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, Mark Leishman and Hideki Matsuyama, who found some form at the weekend. Mm. Nine, Kevin Kisner. You'd presume he's going to struggle around here with the length, uh, problem with his length off the tee. Eight is Adam Scott, tied with Dustin Johnson. So actually he's tied 7th. Tied sixth is Webb Simpson with John Rahm. I think Rahm's a huge danger this week. Mm-hmm. Um, four is McElroy. Three is Jason Day. Two is Justin Thomas. Number one is the major monster that is Brooks Kepka. Mm. Yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? You're not surprised at any of those names, particularly the likes of Rory, where we you know we often talk about him excelling on these um, tracks that, um, that play softer. And uh, you know, again, it kind of suggests to me that you may well find a few of these names, particularly the names you just read through there, are the kind of names that you expect over the first uh, first day or two. Um, and if it does start to firm up a bit after that, then uh, then maybe some of the other guys get into the mix at that point. 
No Bryson DeChambeau in the top 25. Yeah, I suppose it's a five-year um, rolling, Steve, isn't it? So I guess, you know, if, if you were to shorten that period down, um, then, then perhaps you'd find that it was, uh, gives you a slightly different kind of complexion of it. But, um, but yeah, over time, you'd imagine that on a soft course, given the length advantage that he has, that uh, you'd expect mm. him to gravitate more to the top of that, wouldn't he? Potentially. I, th- I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm seeing Pat, Patrick Cantlay in there, a top twenty-five position. But yes, I don't know. It, it, I think I think it's kind of boiling down, and this is what I found frustrating with the whole market. Now, I read this morning um, that this is the is it the weakest from a world golf rankings perspective? It's the weakest field that we've seen here for twenty years. Mm. Now that works from a logical perspective because we know that the selection for this Masters was actually done at the latter end of 2019 working into 2020 as it usually is and you've got a hell of a lot of golfers this week who are bang out of form yep. Yep. and they've actually fallen significantly in the world I mean Henrik Stenson's a prime example Yeah, guys that have collapsed down the official world golf rankings who who were playing this week? Yeah, okay. Badly I guess if you if you were to take a strength of field in April as it was intended, um, add Sergio back into the into the field as well, then how much more would that strength of field have been? So yeah, I, I, I the, the assertion's correct, isn't it? You know, the the, the facts are there to be uh, to be read, but um, these are different scenarios and different it's a different situation we find ourselves in. So yeah, so be it. And the field isn't winning this, remember that. So we need to start focusing on the guys who are actually playing. Mm. I mean, if anything, this uh, it kind of should help us as punters to eliminate more players from consideration uh, and, and hopefully make our choice a little bit easier. The problem, the counter problem to that is that there are probably 20 guys up there, give or take a few, that you could make a compelling case for to go mm. out and win this. And... That is the dilemma we're faced with. Yeah. Yes. Where are you at the top of the market? I know. I know that you're not single-digit or low-double-digit punters. Not before the tournament. No, not interested. But if you're looking at Deshambo, DJ Ram, Thomas McElroy, I, th- I personally think that Xander is falsely priced at fourteen to one. But he's been priced at a, because no, I my personal perspective is that no book wants to take bets on Xander. No, and there's not been any inkling of that fourteen becoming sixteens anywhere. That's rock solid, isn't it? It's absolutely rock solid, and and they're just putting punters off backing Xander this week. I mean, at this stage, um, has and then you've got Brooks at sixteen. I mean, in my mind, Kepka in no way, shape, or form should be a longer price than Xander in this. Mm. Xander should be slotted in between himself, uh, between Kepka and Cantley, and Matsuama. Twenty to one, maybe something like that. That that that's Xander's genuine price. I mean, Xander's probably at this stage because he's priced so shit by the bookies all the time he's got to be underperforming his price by by this stage you know he's just not winning enough for that price that he's always at he's just i don't know he's 
let's say the modern interpretation of I'm not comparing them in their records or anything, but he's a modern bookmaker's version of a Ricky Fowler, incredibly popular with the punters, but doesn't win enough to to cover that price. Justify the price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my fr- very, friends very made true. a very good point about Kepka last night that. His 16s has probably priced in that he's coming back from injury. And we don't know for sure if he's completely okay or not. But um, Brooks has shown time after time, if if he's healthy, he doesn't need massive incoming form to an event. And that 16s after a few holes could very much look like the price of the week. You know, if if he gets off to a fast start, you'll just be sitting there kicking yourself. What was he fifth last week though? Yeah, it, it, you know, he clearly flashed a little bit of form, and um, he's been progressing at this track. You know, if you, if you look at his um, his course form, he's clearly getting closer and closer every year. And finished what second second last year, I think it was his uh, is mm. his best performance by some stretch. Well, here that's he wasn't as he wasn't as bulletproof at the PGA though, was he? He was actually in contention. I don't know whether that was because he was you know, whether that was just sheer guts and determination, mm. but. He then fell away, and that was the first time we'd seen Brooks fall away in a major. But isn't he? Isn't he? Maybe a, that's baked in there slightly. He's a winner bust kind of guy. He doesn't seem to give a shit if he finishes second or tenth. It's no, it's no. it's win or bust for him, and and yeah. I think he's going to go after shots with the goal of only winning. And if he fails in executing those and getting the win, then he's like, okay, I failed. Mm. I don't care if I failed into second or failed into tenth. Look, loop back up to the back, the top of the market so we don't miss out. I mean, P- mm-hmm. Bryson's saying that he's looking at this place like it's a par 67. So even if he has... <laughs> I, and it's true, though, like looking at the, the reports of the clubs he's hitting in and the distances he's hitting it and the par fives are all super reachable. If he's looking at a 60 par 67, a bad day for him is still a 69 or a 70. If he shoots two 69s and two 70s, which is pretty conceivable he could he sh- could and should do that he gets 10 under for the week without even playing great for him like he's gonna have to have a shocker of a week with his irons to not be a feature in this tournament it, and, and it does i think it all comes down to his irons doesn't it because mm. yeah you, know, you can you can read or try and pick the bones out of some of those practice rounds and clearly you know he's taking the uh, the, the third hole on isn't he the you know he's making that drivable par four He's hitting sand wedges or pitching wedges or short irons to, to all of the par fives. Um, if those irons, if those wedges are good, then he's going to stand an incredible chance of winning this golf tournament. Um, and we've seen him when he's been particularly good. We've seen him at the US Open. I think he was fifth for greens in regulation at the US Open, which given what we've seen from his previous outings where he was smashing it a mile, but his pitches and his approach shots have been awful. Mm-hmm. suddenly suddenly mm-hmm. worked it out suddenly worked out how to attack that golf course suddenly worked out what he needed to do to win and uh, you know the rest of history he, he, you know in the end he was um, he was the clear winner by, by some stretch and um, he's priced to do exactly the same thing this week you go back to the beginning of June he was 28 to 1 for this and uh, you know you, you could have taken a punt on him then there's plenty of people who've got tickets at 28 to 1 or 25 or low 20s and um, Eight to one now. Um, well, it's, it's a win or win or bust, isn't it? If you if you fancy him, if you if you read in between the lines of everything that's out there, what you've just said, what we've just said, um, eight to one could be a fantastic price. Or if he has a poor week of his irons, he gets absolutely nowhere, and uh, 
it looks like an awful price. Don't know. I, I, I'm undecided with Bryson personally. I, I, I haven't backed him, but uh, I, I can see the immense logic and just putting a win-only bet on him and just to take him out of the equation. If he wins, then you, you cover the week or you give yourself a, a, a fairly modest profit and you, you walk away without uh, you know without damaging yourself effectively. Deshambo and do, do you actually see this? You know, I mean, I read today that uh, in practice yesterday he was going into the 11th, a 505-yard hole with a pitching wing. <laughs> That's a huge advantage, isn't it? That, it is, that, but how does that stack up against someone like Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy? Do you, do you actually see that DeChambeau is going to affect the way they play? Are they going to are they going to unleash you know their full armory on a lot of these holes where before they would probably hold back a little bit? Well, is it going to actually intimidate them to play slightly differently? Well, a DJ, a Ram, a Thomas, a no, a Thomas, a McIlroy, or have they just not got the armory? Well, I guess if they're in the same group as them, they might be tempted to. Uh, Good point. To, 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 to try and uh, to try and match him. I, that eleven. Well, I'd love to do. I'd love to see Deshambo and Kepka in the same group for Thursday <laughs> and Friday. Oh God, that'd be, that'd be amazing. Box office. Yeah, yeah. Kepka just throws yeah. him into Ray's Creek. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be that, and that would intimidate Bryson. I'm certain of it. But anyway, yeah, that I, I doubt it happens. But would that that that'd be just awesome? That eleventh hole, if he if he hits the fairway and he's playing wedges in for four days, then it's you know what's it what's he going to be making over the field? Probably two three shots, isn't he? Just just by the very fact that he's he's mm. attacking it in that way, he gets. And this what, is what Barry said about separation. Yeah. The, there could be some serious separation in this this week. But if he gets one of those days wrong, just one of those days wrong, and he smashes one of those in the trees and ends up making a six, mm. which is on on that par five, uh, par four, eleventh is very very possible. There's a lot of ways you can make a mess of that hole. What like Saturday at the Shriners Open, where he just completely didn't he go seven over mm. through the opening mm. six holes or something? Yeah. And, and this is the chaos at the Masters. It can happen to anybody at any time, and. And this is, I guess, this is possibly one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of very short prices before the event because you just one little thing goes wrong for Bryson, he's a double or a triple, and you know it's it's a longer road back to getting contention. Yeah, yeah. I heard a very good point actually. It's primed for an in play, especially with this one to ten mm. split. I mean, if you've got guys, good guys starting on ten, you know. Conceivably, they could be one or two over after two or three holes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they go into the scoring part of the course. So you could be getting a John Rahm, a Justin Thomas at say sixteen to one in play after half an hour, and then all of a sudden they start scoring and the, the odds collapse again. Yeah, they go. Yeah, they they go one or two over and then they eagle thirteen and they're right back in it and you're going nice. Yeah, someone's got hot on the on the opening side, so the leads at say three under, they're at one over, and all of a sudden you're starting to see the odds in play get a lot bigger for some big names. That's could that's the time to pounce potentially. Yeah. A, a trader's delight this tournament by the looks of it. So who would you if 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 it was one name out of the top uh, top six or seven, who who would you take, Paul? The the only one that I've really been tempted with is Bryson. I must say, um, you know, DJ was well, he led the field for greens regulation last week, which was a bit of a 
uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big positive coming into this. Um, that was his first yeah. start since COVID. So, um, you know, it, an indicator that he's playing well. However, he should be putting tournaments like that to bed, in my view. He's, he's, he's got to be converting that. And his conversion rate at, uh, at major championships is particularly poor. It's awful. You know, he, I put in the preview, if you were backing him at single digits over the last few years in majors, you'd be... You'd be bankrupt, wouldn't yeah, you? Absolutely. Win only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very, very good point because um, the amount of chances that he's had at majors and not converted, um, it, it's quite off-putting. And for me, I think Rahm and McElroy will both be right in the mix after 36, maybe even 54 holes. But if it does start to um, to become more firm and tougher as, those, uh, as the weekend progresses, I think that's where it will start to become trickier for those two guys to, to be hanging about and, and, and converting their chance. Um, Justin Thomas not really hitting enough greens for me. I think you mentioned that no, to me the other day. Agreed. Um, yeah. You know, Xander. Agree. Xander same, I, same with Rory, mate. Yeah. Same with Rory. I, 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 I looked at Rory and I think he's only hit 70% of greens and regulation once since lockdown. And everything else, and for a guy that when he's playing well, he's absolutely striping his irons, and um, that's yeah, it's, it's a poor. I, yes, granted, he's playing in some decent quality fields and uh, in some tough, tough golf tournaments, but you expect to see a little bit more out of uh, out of Rory McIlroy than that. And um, Xander, I can understand um, why anyone would want to stick with him, and I, you know, I backed him in this last year. Um, and he came mighty close. He showed a lot of guts and determination, and um, he will win a major championship. And I think that much is um, it's, it's plain to see from his price. And as you alluded to earlier, the bookies um, have the same opinion that he's going to win a major. It's only a matter of time. And he's priced as if he's you know, this is as likely to be the the, the major that he wins than than anything else. Um, He's a bit of a cash machine recently in majors as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, he, he's, he's, he's delivering good finishes. Last couple of winners of this, by the way. We need to actually get into t- actually going through who we pick. But last couple of winners of this, um, bearing in mind it's clearly usually played in April. They finished top 10 at the PGA the year before. Mm. That's an interesting one. Um, taking that, Xander finished 6th at the US Open last time out. So he basically with Xander, I backed him win only at the CJ Cup. He had a head-to-head with Kokrag, didn't he? Which Kokrag won by a shot, typically. Um, I kind of got forced into a corner where I had to back him. And I'm quite comfortable with Xander at 14-1. to 1. I think I don't like the price, but I think he's going to be a factor. So I've backed him. If I'm looking at those top guys, the guys that I struggled to back this week would be JT and Rory. On the bases, they're not hitting enough greens. Mm. I'm struggling with Kepka. I'm struggling with his cortisone injections in his knee. I don't think he's the last two outings he's hit the kind of greens that he'd want to be hitting coming into this. It left me DJ's world number one. I don't like world number ones at this. Um, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's factual. World number one hasn't won this since 2002, being Tiger Woods. The one that I had, I stared at and continued to stare at, and my eyes got tired in the end, was John Rahm. And that the statistically, his numbers are perfect. Absolutely, 100% perfect. T's crossed, I's dotted. The one thing I still don't understand with Rahm, and I haven't got my head around is, I'm not sure he has either. Has he got the mental fortitude in the white heat 
of a major back nine to be winning the 2020 Masters. I cannot recall, cannot recall Ram being slap bang in the middle of a major championship with six, seven holes to go. It was the Masters. He like he was what? What four? What three years ago? Two, two. What was he? Two yards away from carrying it onto the fifteenth and having a look at eagle. And he's back in the water and he's just gone out of contention straight away. But he was. That was the year Sergio won. I th- was it the year? I'm trying to. I'm, or was it the? Or was it the year that Reed won? I think it was Reed. I'm trying to pick through. I'm trying to get the leaderboard here with the hole scoring on it. But I, mean, I remember. I it, think it'd have been Reed. I remember him being so deep in the hunt, and he gets that ball on board 15, and it's uh, it's a totally different ball game. Now, mm. you can argue that like okay, he missed it by half a groove, and that's the difference. But you know, he was. He was close enough. Um, I, I think he's. I think he's got a great chance this week. Um, it's just. It's pre-event ten to one. It's hard to. I. Nice. I personally for find your first for your first ever major, Barry. Yeah, I. I know that he's clearly world number two. Um, I get that. <laughs> and, and back to, as and we, back as, to number as one. We know. Yeah, as and the world number one factor, although. As we know, the average winning price of the of the winner of this over the last ten renewals is f- bang on almost four. Well, it's forty to one. And this is the trouble of all these single digits, isn't it? Yeah, it was twenty eighteen, Barry. Pa- um, Thank you, Patrick Reed. He was he he started the round uh, in fourth spot. He started uh, Sunday in fourth, so he must have been banging it. Ended up shooting sixty nine on Sunday. Mm. Oh, that's that's the only reason I never went with Ram in the end. I still, and there's lots of people who have the same view. At, at the very very pinnacle in a major, they're not convinced at backing him at nine and ten to one. The interesting thing about Ram is he's he's shown previous history of blitzing a weekend. So I think you could have a look and see how he really is getting on, and if he's a few off the pace. Going into Saturday, mm. you could Agree. get a not quite the tens or nines, but you could get a price that would be really attractive for his position in the tournament with two rounds to go. Mm. Yeah, generally they've been in tournaments where it's been there's, there's been a really good score to be had, and he's gone out. He's got some real momentum behind him. He's gone and shot a six or seven or an eight or nine under par. Yeah round yeah. and no one's been able to get close to him you're you're so right it's olympia fields when the golf course was playing like a u.s open and then the, the pj said get the hoses out boys yeah. Yeah. and saturday he shoots a 63 to jump 450 <laughs> spots on the leaderboard yeah, yeah that's that's how john tends to uh, get the job done yeah it's very very true now okay we were talking in the last podcast about my rolling greens in regulation number. And five of the past six Masters champions have been in the top 15 of my rolling greens in reg number. Yeah. Mm. In the week of the Masters. Basically, I keep a track of all statistics over a moving week window. It's eight weeks at the moment. Now, here are the top of that category right now. One, Bubba Watson. Two, John Rahm. (laughs) Three, Dustin Johnson. Four, Zach Johnson. Mm, Don't fancy that too much. Five, Eric Van Ruen. Six is Victor Perez. Seven, Shane Lowry. He's tied with Matt Wallace, who I know we were talking about in the last podcast. Nine is Bryson. 
tied with Sung Jae-im, Colin Morikawa and Xander. 13, Tony Finau with Ryan Palmer. I think Ryan Palmer's not a bad um, bet this week if you've, if you've got 10 places. Um, or a top 20 bet, something like that. Palmer, soft golf course. We know he likes that. Yeah, maybe if he's uh, 20th coming into the final day, if he's sitting in tight second, then I think... <laughs> oh, well, if it, he'll, <laughs> he'll finish third. Wave goodbye third, to yeah. your money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit like Chuck, Chucky Hoffman, isn't he? And 15 is Tyrrell Hatton. Now, all uh, three of my four selections sit in that Greens in Regulation top 15. One being Xander. Two being Bubba. And three being uh, Tony T for Finau. They're the th- I've got Finau at thirties. I've got Bubba at thirties, and I've got Xander at fourteen to one. Those are three of my four selections yeah, this week. Absolutely with you on Bubba, and he's been trending in terms of greens and regulation ever since the. Um, PGA Championship I know you're down his positions and this kind of feeds into your numbers I guess uh, 7th, 5th, 23rd, 1st, 5th and 9th for his six um, last six Greens regulation performances which all adds together to be sitting right at the top of your trend tracker which um, for me I'm looking specifically for uh, someone who's hitting lots of greens heading into Augusta National and Bubba fits the bill for me um, his strokes going number one absolutely yeah his strokes gain approach, his strokes gain tee to green, both been really strong his last three outings as well. And uh, there's yeah. been a, a little bit of a spark with his putter as well. Um, I think last time out, it was the first time he'd been strokes gain positively putter for um, for the last three or four tournaments as well. So um, clearly his results are doing uh, doing well. He's moving in the right direction, seventh and fourth over the last two outings. Twice a winner here. I don't, you don't need to. I don't think you need to. Do you know to... the numbers I like as well, Go on. Around the green. 18th at the CJ Cup, and he was 16th at the Zozo on his last outing. Mm. And if you go back to, you know, early this year in July, he was hemorrhaging shots around the green like it was going out of fashion. Yeah. And what do you need around here? You need to know where to miss greens and when you miss them to be able to get up and down. And Barry mentioned in the research podcast, and I'm completely on board with this, his style of putting, which is bog-awful, it's to get putts to just drop in the hole to avoid three putts. And his three-putt avoidance around here must be fantastic. Um, I think I noted in my preview that he's been in the... Uh, you don't think of him as a putter, clearly. But Bubba has finished four times in the top 20 for putting average, or five in the top 30, in his 11 Augusta National appearances. So he actually gets on with the greens. So for a bloke that can bang it 3.30, high GIR, he's scrambling and his touch around the greens right now is great and can actually make some putts on these greens that he knows really well. Mm. I can't see a downside with Bubba. No, no. I'm, okay. I'm on Bubba. Before, you, you, you're before, Bubba as well, Barry? No, I, I want to just say, before all the listeners go and empty their bank accounts on Bubba with all this big upping you're giving him, where does he sit in your... Uh, players' rain rankings, how they perform in rain in in wet conditions, or if it's raining, Steve, and and also you know Bubba notorious for like the mud ball and the water on the you know the water on the club face. I'm... The only thing I'll say about that because I knew he was going to raise it, he was fifth in the in the in the tournament that Reed won, and that weekend when Reed won in twenty eighteen, 
it was blowing 10, 15 mile an hour, you know, in terms of wind, and the temperatures were down in the 17 and 18 degrees. So, yeah, at a US Open or an Open Championship, I'd go nowhere near Bubba. But around here, I think it's his kind of special place. He'd probably just get on with it. And you, we don't know, do we? You might find that Thursday it's just going to be over, overcast and actually there's no rain whatsoever. So we don't know, do we? But yes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tip him up at the Open. Um, do you, I, I, just, I just think that th- at least three of these rounds this week, Bubba can be shooting 69, 68s and getting the hump. Mm. Which at 30 to 1, I don't, I don't think it's a, a, an abysmal... I would have liked longer, but I don't think it's an abysmal price in this field. No, no. It sits within that kind of the parameters you've, that we, yeah. we, we went through in the uh, preview show where you've got winners that are all around that kind of price point, aren't they? But the real insurance policy for me is Finau. And we again, we've discussed Finau in the research podcast. He's just an absolute animal when it comes to each way places. Mm. And majors, and do you know what? You look at his world golf ranking. I read the other day that the average world is something like 20, 22. Finau is right. He's prime in the price, his odds, the way he plays the game. Yeah, he never wins, but who knows? This might be the week. And so I'm quite, I'm quite happy with Finau. I think Finau is a more conservative. He's going to be there or thereabouts kind of bet. And he could cover the week if it all goes horribly wrong with Bubba shooting six over on Thursday. Mm. I'm on Fina as well. I, mm. Just There's too many good data points that are pointing towards him being, um, a, you know, performing well this week. I mean, I just think he's almost a guaranteed top 10 finisher. Mm. Unless something just catastrophically goes wrong with his game. He's just... Yeah. Uh, it, this place feels like it's somewhere he should easily be in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. So very happy to be on board him. I mean, I, I'm I'm almost counting the place money right now. It's <laughs> it's where <laughs> two famous last words. No, but if it, you backed him ten each way, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten places, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I've I've stayed off Bubba so to let him run free for you guys. Paul and I are both P- Paul and I are Bubba truthers. We're two footed every time at Riviera, <laughs> every time at TPC River Highlands. We just we just we love Bubba, and we always you know you look at the leaderboard Thursday and all of a sudden he's three over through four and we both st- uh, we just start rubbing our eyes as per usual. Hopefully it doesn't happen this week, but yeah, Bubba's I think Tony's far more of a and a, of a each way insurance bet, and do you know what? Golf's a funny game. You know, if anyone actually was to win their first major, and he's he's at that kind of price point, Fino, of where first time major winners do get the job done: twenty five, twenty eight, thirty to one. I like him. I think he's a great shout this week, Fino. Mm. Yeah. Personally, I'd be r- much rather on Tony Fino at that kind of price. Than Hideki Matsuama at twenty-five to one. That's just my own personal preference. Right, where are you guys at then? Who who have you backed, Barry? Uh, I backed. I have Fino, uh, and I backed Hatton a couple of weeks ago. I got him at thirty-threes. Uh, I just mm-hmm. uh, what was it before last week? Anyway, anti-post of sorts. I just couldn't see his price getting any longer from where he was, and I really fancied his chances going in here. I, you know, I. 
I put a lot of value on his win in Wentworth. Tree-lined course, prestige tournament. He keeps showing up um, in these big moments and he seems to just get better and better when he's when it's really on. Um, I know his record isn't great here and I guess that's sort of built into his price or I'd hope it is. Um, yeah, I, I think he's... Uh, I think he's got a good chance. He might be struggling a little bit for distance, so his irons probably need to be a little bit sharper this week. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it, it felt like a good bet at the time, and I'm still very happy I'm on board. And you know, I see his price ninth, ninth for greens in reg last week. So yeah, hit hit lots of green, and that was a tough golf course yeah. to hit greens last week with all those runoffs, wasn't it? So he's clearly got the consistency and the accuracy of his irons in good shape which is exactly what you want to be seeing he's been driving the ball beautifully off the tee mm-hmm. and, and he was he was actually he was 12 for off the tee last week wow. would you say a lot of that was fairway related or distance mm, he's not the shortest no. is he Hatton he's, he's no Webb Simpson let's see where he is so. okay he's he's tied 199th in carry distance <laughs> so mm. that's not uh, not great he can get it out there um, you get it out. You know, I think he's maybe long enough when he wants to be. I think so. So if he can keep up those GIR numbers, it'll it'll definitely help a lot uh, to his chances for the week. Now, with this iffy weather in the forecast, I know that you've also got another major winner that you've added to your squad. We, we let let Paul jump in for one or two another pick now. Oh. Yeah, Paul yeah. Score pick. Well, I can do, yeah, I've got I've got a couple around the same price point, and actually, I think they're guys that I mentioned in the um, preview pod. But I've gone for both Matt Kuchar and Matt Wallace. And Kuchar, well, Kuchar's not in a particularly good year, really, is he? Um, he won the Singapore Open, second at Riviera, which um, again you've kind of correlated to this in the past, Steve. Um, but other side of uh, or either side of lockdown, it's, it's not showed a great deal of form. What really swings it for me with Kuchar is that this is where he really comes alive. Four top eight finishes in his last um, eight finishes here at Augusta. 12th last year. Um, and for me, 125 to 1, 10 places each way, given that you can cross quite a big chunk of the players off the uh, list this week, and it's a short field anyway, um, I'm quite happy to take that on with Kuchar. Um, and Matt Wallace, 150 to 1, you can get with nine places each way. Um, he had a look at Augusta last year, didn't he? Missed the cut. Um, he scuppered himself already. He won the par 3 competition last year, which um, is, uh, is a poison chalice. <laughs> he was never going to do anything after that. So, um, he third on his next major after that, the uh, USPGA. So uh, for me, yeah. you can clearly cut it at this kind of level. Um, he's improving at this kind of level. Drives and puts the ball really well. And to, you know, when he's playing well, it's his driving that's the uh, the, the real key to his success. Um, and uh, I've, I've seen some decent uh, flashes of form with his uh, greens and regulation stats as well. Sixth at the uh, US Open for GIR, fourth at the Scottish Championship for greens and regulation, 16th last time out. He was second at that Scottish Championship outing. Um, It was only the fact that Adrian Otegi held absolutely everything that day that he didn't win. So he's got some decent incoming form and... um, a seventh in that greens in reg tracker we we went yeah through, yeah, yeah. yeah his name his yeah, name yeah, was there yeah. was given you know that he's up against an awful lot of you know what you class as world class players that's um 
you know, it's clearly something that uh, he's, he's improved over the last few weeks and that's got to be good coming into this. I, he, he's got that kind of major mentality for me, Matt, Matt Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think he'll do well in wages over the next few years. So again, it's an each way punt. I'm not, I'm not suggesting he's going to go out and romp this golf tournament because uh, Bubba's clearly got all, already got the win. But uh, but you don't mind him 10 places each way at 150? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, got, I've got nine each way, but there's lots of... Lots of uh, Lots of flux on the markets at the moment, so uh, keep an eye out, and you might pick up some uh, some decent terms with him. Um, but yeah, two mats for me at that kind of price point. I've got one very long price, but I'll uh, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with that after uh, you guys have finished. I go on, Barry. Yeah. Talk me through. Talk me through your major winner. Um, he's he's been trending in the right direction recently. You know, yep. more each week you're just seeing more and more good signs of things starting to come around. He struggled. He struggled quite a lot. We could say since uh, the middle of last year when he won the Open Championship. So mm. yeah, Shane Lowry has um, kind of grabbed my attention the last couple of weeks, and particularly getting it uh, getting a good performance last week on a very tough golf course. You know, it's showing mm. good battling qualities and. I don't think he's missing any particular skill set in his game to be able to compete here. He doesn't have a good record. He's got three missed cuts and a 39th. So 39th is his best here. Um, I think it's a mental thing for Shane um, in every course. I I think his game can travel quite well. And Mm. it's a bit of a mystery why he doesn't go well around here. uh, And that to me, he's played well on tree-lined courses um, over his career so it, it could just be something up in the uh, the few inches between the ears that's kind of uh, blocked him and uh, you know I'm kind of hoping he's found uh, the secret to unlock it and be getting a good performance this week Before we go on to one player we didn't mention at the top of the market or towards the top is Patrick Cantlay do you think he could um, 25 to 1 was that ever is that too short for you do you think he's got the cojones? I think he's got the game shape to be able to win around here. Yeah. Certainly long enough. I, I think he's a, probably a very good contender for grabbing a top 10 spot for sure. And then that, that puts him in the mix for trying to win the tournament. I mean, he what he hit he hit the front on his own. Uh, was it last year or the year before? Yeah, I was on at 66s. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, 66s. Yeah, last year, sorry. And uh, mm, yeah, that, yeah, then yeah. then uh, got the immediate nosebleed <laughs> when, when he got up there. So that's um yeah, positive sign. That's what put me off him. Yeah. I, I I'm not I'm not sure he's got the major experience to be able to 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 actually win it. Mm. I think that I think I, see play. I think that'll have helped, you know. Not helped him a lot, but if you can learn from that, uh, those feelings he had last year, I think that's that's mm. going to be a big bonus for him. I I, cu- I couldn't honestly steer somebody away from him if they're if they're feeling like backing Cantley. Um, I, I find it hard to pull the trigger on backing him. I don't know if it's just because he's a very calm or bl- you know demeanor. His demeanor isn't like a super engaging personality, and maybe that's why I. I kind of struggle to pull the trigger on backing him, and, and yeah, he's not he's not on my roster this week. But it certainly wouldn't surprise me to see him in the conversation. Mm. Yeah, it's just one of those names, isn't it? I, I, I always 
I, I can't remember the last time I backed him, I must say. And, um, you know, he's clearly a world-class player who's capable of um, contending in these kind of tournaments. It just it always kind of falls between the cracks with me. Mm. Um, I know you've put him up a few times in the past, Steve, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Not for me. The one I have put up at 80-1, to 1, Australians have got a great record here. Clearly Adam Scott won in 2013, breaking their, the nation duck. Uh, Jason Day has got a stellar record around here. Mark Leishman has contended, uh, contended twice the year that Scott won and also the year he was in a final group, I think we read on the Saturday, uh, 2018. The one I fancy is uh, Cameron Smith, who's a great putter, fantastic around the greens and actually popped up a couple of weeks ago at... The Zozo finishing fourth. And you just look at his record. He just loves playing golf at the latter end of the season. His wins, uh, clearly uh, two PGA Championship wins in Australia come in December. He's got an awesome record at the CJ Cup, Shriners Open, CIMB Classic. Just seems to come alive in the fall. So he was fifth here two years ago, the year that Reid won. I just see Cam Smith. He seems to be the perfect storm of a guy that's reasonably long off the tee. Great short game, great putter, bent grass greens. I think he ranks 12th in my strokes gained total over the last eight weeks. So 12th for strokes gained uh, current form. And I managed to gra- gra- grab him at 80 to 1. There was 100 to 1 at the start of the week that went. Yeah. But 80 to 1 on Cam Smith, who actually, um, top five here, and he also had a top five many years ago at the Jordan Spieth US Open where Dustin Johnson three-putted from six feet at, um, I'm trying to remember the name, Chambers Bay, uh, 2015 US Open. So he has hung around at majors. So uh, Cam Smith for me at 80s. Now who's your crazy long... You're not, you're not going for Bernhard Langer. <laughs> I know he topped our greens in regulations yeah, so, this week. Some of these, uh, some of these uh, senior tour players have got some fantastic stats. Um, if, if you can... Uh, yeah, on 6,300-yard golf courses, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. if you can ignore, ignore the fact they're averaging 238 off the two, yeah. Um, the one I've backed at a long price, 300 to one with 10 places each way, is Justin Harding. Um, who oh, yeah. was 12 last year on debut, birdied the last to get himself into the field for this year as well. And he was in the mix the whole way around. I, I, I'm sure you remember he was you know, really quite prominent. He was kind of top six, top seven after each of the first three rounds. And it was only towards the very end that he kind of dropped away a little bit um, as, as the p- pressure really uh, started to, to mount. But on debut, that's a fantastic effort, I think. He was 13th for fairways that week, second for putting average. So clearly got uh, it suited his eye and uh, putted his way round very nicely. Um, post-lockdown, he's played some half-decent stuff. Third at Close House, uh, third at Valderrama as well, which is a, a nice bit of form coming into this. Um, he was the first-round leader at Wentworth um, before shooting a mad score on the on the Friday, missing the cut. Um, shot a sec- 64 in the round, second round of the Scottish Championship recently, which is the best round of the day. So there's been some bad in there from Harding recently. There's also been some really good stuff. And 38th last week contained a couple of decent rounds as well. Putter was working nicely. Um, and he comes into this at a mad price. Um, but I think his underlying form is just a little bit better than his price would suggest. Um, he's actually the outside of the six. 
from the top South African market as well. So um, he's up against Louis Oosthuizen, uh, EVR, uh, Christian Bezuidenhout, uh, Dylan Fratelli, and uh, Charles Schwartzel. And he's, he's, um, he's the sixth of sixth, that sixth of six in that market. He played quite nicely at Hughes. He did, yeah. yeah. Top 25? Uh, 38 if he finished in the end. But there was a couple of, uh, couple of rounds of 68 in there. Yeah, there was uh, enough to pique my interest and played nicely as well. So um, given that he did take to the course really quite well last year um, and there's 10 places out there available at 300 to 1, I was quite happy to take that chance on it. See how he goes. Yeah. Any thousand to one shot, bet, especially that yeah. South African bet. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, that. Ten, Longest of the yeah. six, Bezaden, who and Schwarzel aren't doing a no, great deal at the moment. No, he's the, he's the outsider of the six as well. You got you got a thousand to one shot up your sleeve, then Barry or not? <laughs> yeah, sure. If anyone wants to burn money, um, I also backed Wallace uh, to get the places and uh, Westy as well. Um, yeah. Look, Westy's Westy's. Westy's Westy, and at this stage, it's almost just fun to be on board because um, how can you not? Like, uh, so that is what it is. We'll, we'll see see what happens. I, I don't know. If, like, look, it's a pipe dream to to think he could win it, but um, I think I think there's a really good chance of him getting banking one of those uh, top ten spots for a place payout. Mm. Yep. There's worse bets around that price point yeah. than Westwood and Wallace. Yeah, I agree. I think that's us, gentlemen. We've managed to uh, get this out in an un- just un- just a squidge over an hour. Quickly, any, which any, for us, any, talk, talking about the Masters is a miracle. Any first round leader shouts? I Paul's doing yeah, that I'm, I'm, today. I'm, I am doing it today. I'm, I'm going to do it once I've got a look at the uh, tee times mm. because there really are some quite defined trends. Um, clearly, it's going to be a bit different this year with the way that the tees are going to be staggered yeah. and uh, the you know the, the less day daylight as well is going to going to change things so the dynamics do change plus the fact that the forecast keeps changing which uh, doesn't really help either but um, but yes that will be out and um, my preview for that will be out mid-morning on wednesday so keep an eye out for that if you fancy a first round leader i've i've gone for the mega bounce back the francesco molinari eight wow, eight yeah. 19 or 20 month um gap between rounds and augusta but the, the ultimate bounce back from his uh, finishing round last year to first round this year. And he, it's did, good form last week. Yeah, yeah, he did play some nice well. Did I see Fooch's caddying for him? Because there was a tweet this morning of Fooch in his locker with uh, Francesco Molinari's overalls. Mm, no, I missed that, but uh, yeah, worth mm. looking into. Yeah, I think so. I wasn't imagining it. So yeah, Fooch might be his caddy. I don't breaking know. news the one thing I will say I've read this so many times from people like Phil saying you really want to be hitting that 13 sort of the later on in the day so from a first round leader perspective it might be worth players that are playing late on or late on in the schedule that are hitting 13 and 15 later on in the afternoon mm-hmm. yeah. especially if that rain's going to disappear yeah Historically, there's, there's been stacks of first round leaders who've come from them. Final, 28, yeah. 29 is the sweet the, spot. The, 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 the final two. It's yeah. split now, isn't it? Yeah, the final two or three groups have produced an awful lot of the first round leaders. Yeah. There's a sweet spot in the morning, um, or it has been historically, around about kind of 9 30, 10 o'clock, and then this kind of 2 pm um, tea time towards the back end. 
has produced an awful lot of first round leaders. But um, yeah, the, the other dynamic, as we just said, is the uh, is the way the uh, the tea times are going to be different this year. So plenty to put into the pot before I pull my pull the trigger tomorrow. I think. Brilliant. We look forward to that. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. I wish all of your bets come true. <laughs> Best of luck, guys. You too, so long as it's the same ones as mine. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I might actually just—I might actually back Matt Wallace just as a cover. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> and. Um, I wish all listeners the very best of luck at this year's 2020 Masters. It's been a blast over the last two podcasts. Um, as a, Again, I refer you to our research podcast that uh, is stacked full of trends, statistics, and uh, all manner of good stuff. So uh, if you want to catch that, catch that the episode before. We appreciate your support. If you could give us uh, leave us a review, five stars, that would be absolutely fantastic. And from myself and uh, the two other gentlemen, we wish you the very best of luck at the 2020 Masters. Goodbye.